Luke chapter 8, and we'll read verses 26 through 39. Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39 say this in the Word of God. Luke chapter 8, beginning verse 26 says, And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there and heard of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And, he heard, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they that went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear, and he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, verse 39, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, again, we come before you through the blood and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for watching over us uh, during this storm. We thank you for watching over uh, David and those that are with him that were traveling, keeping them uh, safe. And uh, Lord, just uh, uh, even though some were without power, that got back on. And Lord, uh, as far as we know, everybody is well. And we thank you for that. Lord, we think of uh, those that are listening in. Lord, we think of Pam and Sonny tonight. Lord, please uh, touch uh, Sonny and uh, Lord, strengthen him. Lord, we think of the Thomases tonight. And uh, Lord, be, please be with Don and uh, Sister Betty and uh, others, Lord, with a physical need tonight. And Lord, we even think of those that might be listening or here with spiritual need. We don't want to assume that everybody's saved. We don't want to assume that everybody's where they should be uh, spiritually or maybe just somebody struggling with something and needs some encouragement tonight. Uh, Lord, uh, you know the need, and I pray that you meet spiritual needs, physical needs, and other uh, needs. Uh, Lord, we think of Joseph, uh, his job at work. We think of the young people uh, in, in school and just other things that we know are upon people's hearts, God. Lord, would you please help them tonight? And through it all, dear God, help us to grow in your word and that you'd be glorified. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. And so uh, we see, of course, uh, this is a familiar story. But uh, again, picking up verse 37, it says, And he went forth, of course, uh, uh, the Lord and his disciples, and there met him out of the city a certain man which had, say, the lowest levels of society or uh, people who uh, put all kinds of marks uh, on their body. I mean, it's amazing uh, what you see uh, people do today. 
And boy, you know, uh, uh, but you see here that, you know, people that did things like that back then were uh, uh, full of the devil. And I'd say, well, not, not much has changed there, uh, not, to, not to get uh, uh, sidetracked. But you see this man's condition, and he couldn't control himself. Matter of fact, verse 28 says, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? Matter of fact, he couldn't even control his own speech. That was the devil's doing the talking. That was the devil's doing the talking. So, uh, you know, uh, th think about that. When somebody's controlled uh, by uh, 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 the devil, they can't control their actions. They can't control the way they think, the way they, they speak. And it was really a desperate situation uh, for this man. But it's clear here that they clearly knew who Jesus was. They clearly knew who Jesus was. You know, of course, James 2.19 says, Thou believest that there's one God, thou doest well, but the devils also believe and tremble. Well, of course, uh, where did the devils come from? They used to be uh, angels in heaven. And we know that when Lucifer fell, uh, we believe he took about a third part with him. And so, you know, of course, they knew they used to be uh, up there in heaven with him and worship him. And, of course, now they were devils. But, you know, again, you know, when people say, I believe in God, this is James 2.19 is a good verse to use. Oh, well, you know, uh, that you say you might believe there's one God, but that's not enough. Because it's one thing to believe God exists. It's another thing to believe that Jesus is God. And then it's even another thing to put your trust in him as your Savior. And people need to understand this. Oh, well, you know, I believe in God. Well, hey, that's a starting point. But we want to get you to the finishing point, amen, of not just believing there's a God, but understanding who God is and that uh, Jesus Christ is God and he's uh, uh, the Savior. Because, again, even the devils believe, uh, even understood that uh, he was the Son of God. They understood that, but, of course, we know that devils can't be saved. At least I believe that. But these verses show a good example of how the devil seeks to devour and destroy lives. Right When the devil has complete control in the life, we see how he seeks to devour that life and to destroy that life. You want to see an interesting verse, turn over to Revelation 12. Turn over to Revelation 12. We find an interesting verse here. Revelation 12 and verse 4. Revelation 12 and verse 4 says this. Now, of course... It says this, and his tail drew the third, third part of the stars of heaven. Of course, we think that's sort of a reference like we just talked about to where uh, uh, Lucifer took a third uh, uh, part of uh, the angels with him and did cast them to earth and did cast them to earth. Now, that's interesting. You know, you think, OK, when did all this happen? Right. When did uh, uh, Lucifer become uh, uh, Satan in those things? You know, I thought about the verse, you know, I was going to talk about the deep, you know, it says he prepared the devil, uh, hell for the devil and his angels. Well, where's hell? It's in earth. So, you know, interesting thought there. But notice what it says here. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered. Why? Notice the statement for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Think about that statement to devour her child as soon as it was born. Boy, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, quite a, a thought there. Now, we realize 
in the context, this verse is talking about a specific event. We realize that. But beside the point that it's talking about a specific event, I think we could say this, the truth we find in this verse is relevant even now. The true, a truth we find in this verse is even relevant. And what is the truth that we find relevant in the verse, at least uh, that I take from it? It's this, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Boy, uh, uh, you know what that makes me think? That that should be a warning to every parent. All right, that should be a warning to every child. And to me, there's a truth here that from the moment you're born, from the moment your child is born, the devil begins to seek a way to devour and destroy your life. Just like I think this is a good example here. It says he was waiting for that baby delivered so right he could devour her child as soon as it was born. Again, we know that's talking about a specific event, but you need to realize uh, young people, uh, even we look at the youngest child here, we look at these precious uh, children. Uh, we look at this precious child, uh, Seth. We look at uh, 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 people getting ready to have children thing. We think, oh, man, that's why it's so important uh, to pray over the children. Uh, uh, Sharon, uh, uh, Lord willing, will be having a baby in April. But I want you to know that as, the, uh, as, as a grandfather, that the moment I found out that my uh, daughter's getting ready to have a baby, I began to pray for that child. Every morning, right? Every morning when I pray for my family and I, every morning I pray for my grandchildren, I say, oh God, would you watch over Eva? Would you watch over Desmond? Would you watch over Clara? Would you watch over uh, Mav? Would you watch over Victor? Would you watch over Lincoln? And Lord, would you watch over that child uh, that my daughter's carrying right now? I pray for it now, amen, that God would have, if the Lord should tarry that when that child's born and that the Lord would even have mercy already on that child. So we see the importance of praying for the children that as soon as they come forth, the devil is conniving, amen, and think, man, how can I slip in that? Listen, my, even my grandchildren are already born. Every day I pray for my grandchildren. Of course, I pray it for my daughters. I really pray it for my son-in-laws, amen. Let me say that, that God, would you break down? I, every morning I pray this. I, I start, I say, Lord, I pray for you too now, so just so you know, but I pray, when I pray for my family, I say, Lord, break down the strongholds in my life. In my, in my wife, I say, break down the strongholds in my children's life. And even my grandchildren, even though uh, they're little, the oldest one just turned uh, 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 10 and uh, 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 Victor just turned uh, four and the little uh, Lincolns too. But I pray for them even at that age. Every day I pray for them. God, break down the strongholds that the devil is trying to build into their life. Hey, a lot of that strong will you see in those teenagers, it was in them before they were five years old. I tell them, hey, listen, what's cute at three is not cute at 13. Amen. And so you better deal with it. All uh, right. Why you can at that uh, young age, as I've said before, you know, uh, there's a difference between raising a boy and a girl. A girl, when you bring her home from the hospital, you can wait about two weeks before you begin discipline. Boys, you better start right away. Amen. Boys, you better girls, you can give grace period of two weeks. That's it. 
After that, they're no different than boys. I don't care how cute they, my girl, you know, my girls, they, you know, I, I got to admit they were cute and they were little. I don't know what happened, but they were, but daddy, I said, listen, and I, and I have trouble laughing, man. I don't know why I got off on this, but I, no, no, I, I, daddy, why are you laughing? I said, I might be laughing, but that don't mean nothing. You're still getting in trouble, right? They probably remember that anyways. But listen, uh, we got to pray for our children. Because the devil from the youngest age wants to begin to, 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 to slip things into their life and build strongholds in their life and destroy their life. And boy, you can see what can happen when the devil has full reign in a life by the picture of the man we see here. But hey, thank God if you are saved, amen, we have 1 John 4, 4, which says, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Thank God, amen. If you're saved, you don't have to worry about that devil beating you. You've got God in you. But remember this, we know that this man was demon-possessed. As a Christian, and this you need to take this as a warning, I don't believe a Christian can be demon-possessed. I don't believe that. But again, I do believe they can be oppressed. So think of it this way. You might think of it this way. The devil, he cannot get into your body, but he can sure get into your mind. I've seen uh, people that, that I really believe were saved. Somehow they got sidetracked and the devil got in their mind and I was shocked at the things that they uh, uh, began to think and the fears that came into their mind because they let, amen, uh, some things slip into their mind. So he maybe he can't get into your body, but he can get into your head, your thinking. So that's why it's so important to stay strong and stay in the word and be a person of prayer. But notice what he says when the devil, uh, he, he approaches the Lord and they confront the Lord and he makes this statement in verse 31. And they, that's the, the devils, the legion, which meant thousands of, of devils. I don't know how that works, but it says thousands of devils besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. Notice that statement, out into the deep. And what does that mean? That means uh, the abyss. That means the place of the dead. That means the prison for evil spirits. Uh, when you read this account in Matthew 8, it makes this statement. It's put this way in Matthew 8, verse 29. And behold, they cried out, the demons saying, the devils, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? Art thou come hither? Notice this statement the devils make. Very interesting. Art thou come hither to torment us? Notice they meant before the time. Before the time. Now here in Luke, it says uh, to cast in the deep. In Matthew, it says before the time. And so uh, we need to remember this. The devil and the devils, they know what they are facing. They are not ignorant about where they're going to end up. They know what they are facing. So, you know, we talked last week, we talked about, uh, recently we talked about the Jesus come, Jesus come back. So, you know, hey, as believers, we're watching the clock. Amen. Oh, is it almost midnight? Is it almost midnight? But you know what? We're not the only ones watching the clock. You know who else is watching the clock? The devils. The devils are watching the clock tick. Satan and his cohorts are aware of the time frame also. You see, and so they realize that they have a limited time to do whatever uh, they're going to do upon this earth. And so, uh, uh, listen, uh, the, the devil is not in hell right now. He, that's not where he hangs out. He's, he's, he, he fears judgment 
and he fears all that uh, eternity uh, as much as any lost man should. So they cried out to him, Lord, please don't send us to the pit. Send us to the pigs. Amen. <laughs> I'd rather take the pigs to the pit. That is, you know, the barbecue pit. But they said, don't send us to the pit, but send us to the pigs. And so uh, uh, the devils were cast out and notice the difference in this man's life. Verse 35. They went out to see what Je- they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and noticed this same man after Jesus had done a work in his life and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Look at the difference. What a beautiful picture of the difference Jesus makes in a life. He was changed by Christ. So what do we see now? Before he was running over the, all over the place, looking like a, acting like a wild man, and now he's sitting calmly at the feet of Jesus. Hey, hey, you read a little bit earlier in Luke 8, and you see that he calmed the waters, amen, out there on the lake. Listen, he can calm the waters out there on the lake, and he can calm the waters of your soul, amen. He's Jesus. So here he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. He was right, A few minutes ago, he was running around naked. Now he's clothed and sitting at the feet of Jesus. And then it makes a statement, in his right mind. Boy, the only way to be in your right mind is to be with Jesus. That word statement, right mind, means to be of sound mind. He's now of sound mind. He's now thinking soberly. soberly. He now has self-discipline, right? He can control himself now. A moment ago, he couldn't control himself. He was controlled by the devils. But now he has self-discipline and self-control. And that's uh, the opposite of what he had a few moments ago. Titus 2.6 says, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. So verse 35, what a verse, what a powerful testimony to the life-changing, transforming power of Christ. But notice the response of those in the area, and it certainly was not what you might expect. Notice what it says in verse 35. Kind of strange how these people responded. It says, then they went out to see again what Jesus had done. They came to Jesus. Now look at this. This man that they'd been bothered by for years, they found the man again uh, 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 out of whom the devils were cast. He was sitting there uh, at the feet of Jesus. He was closed in his right mind. And look how this friends. And they were afraid. They were afraid. Now, a few moments ago, this guy had been running around uh, for years like a wild man possessed with devils. But when they come and see him sitting at the feet of Jesus, acting calm and clothed, they're afraid. Strange, isn't it? And notice verse 36, they also which saw it, told, now notice, notice what happens here. They also that saw it, you know, they saw Jesus cast these demons out, told them by what means that he was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear, and he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now notice what happens here. Verse 35, we see they were afraid. Verse 36, they told them how Jesus had changed this man's life. But then they told Jesus to depart. Hey, can you imagine they come out there and they see this man that they obviously they'd seen often in their lifetime, uh, running around uh, naked, uh, uh, hanging out in the uh, the graveyard and, and not being able to control himself. And now they come in and see this man calm in his right mind and, and clothed. And they come out and say, man, what happened to this guy? 
Well, let us tell you what happened. Man, he, he was sitting here running around. All of a sudden, uh, 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 Jesus walks up and he runs right up to Jesus and falls at his feet. And you can hear the demons speaking out of him. The next thing you know, uh, God tells those demons to be cast out of him. And the next thing you know, this man uh, calms down and he, he gets clothed. And, and now he's sitting at the feet of Jesus uh, wanting to learn something. And the people look at him and say, what? We can't have this going on around here. That's basically what they're saying. We can't have stuff like this going on around here. But you see, uh, that's how how people respond. You see, the same thing happened in the book of Acts. Remember when the disciples went in and where they say, these that have turned the world upside down have come hither also. We can't have this going on around here. But these people, they see what Christ does in this man's life. But of course, they saw what happened with the demons and with their pigs. I'm sorry, but I wrote a bad poem about this. For Sister Judy, the people said this, Those swine were mine. Your actions were out of line. So they began to whine and asked him to depart because now they had no swine to take the mart. Sorry, that's my dedicate that to Sister Judy. But basically, that's what they said. So think about, think about this. For a long, now think about this. For a long time, the people in that area had seen this man that was demon-possessed. And what did they say? What do you think they said when they saw that man? They said, man, I'm glad I'm not like him. I'm glad I'm not like him. Every time they saw him, they said, oh, man, I'm glad I'm not like him. But it changed on this day. For years, they'd been saying about that demon-possessed man, I'm glad I'm not like him. But on this day, I am, I, I, with my imagination, I think this, that when he went home that day, he said about that crowd that came out of town, said, I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm glad I'm not like them because they rejected Jesus Christ. You know, because on this day, right, things changed. You see, you think this man was full of demons. Well, think about this. What could be worse than being full of demons? Being full of self. (laughs) Because that's what they were, right? He was full of demons. They were full of self. And I would say demons are probably easier to cast out than self. You see, demons kept this man in that condition, but at least, amen, he, he came to Christ. But self kept them in their condition and also kept them from coming to Christ. And so you tell people, well, at least I'm not like this person. I'm not like that person. Well, hey, you know what's worse than being full of demons, sir? Being full of self. Because there's a story in the Bible that says the man full of demons came to Jesus, but those full of self rejected him, rejected him. Verse 38, and so they besought him. But then verse 38, we see what the, what the man does. Now the man of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done in thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. So he besought him that he might be with him. You see, that's a good sign of salvation. You see, he, 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 he got saved, and then you see him sitting in his right mind, and now he wanted to serve. Well, that's how salvation works. You get saved, amen? Now you have a desire to sit at the feet of Jesus, and then you have a desire to go serve the Lord. But the Lord tells him to return to thine house. In Mark 5 in this story, it says it this way. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee 
and hath had compassion on thee. I love the way it says there, and had compassion on him. And so he sent him home. Why? Because when you get saved, the best place, or at least the first place, the best place, the first place to give evidence that you have something real is in the home. Amen. The best place. Say, hey, uh, uh, listen, uh, sure, it's great to go tell others, but boy, the best place to go is go home. Amen. And show your loved ones and friends the change that Jesus Christ has made in your life. You know, it started off earlier and it said he had no house. It doesn't mean he didn't have one, but he didn't go to a house. He just lived out that way. And this, should, this is a good example of a lot of homes. A lot of homes could turn to their proper place if the people in the home would turn to Christ. Now, he said he went his way and published. He went his way and published. Now, that doesn't mean he went and wrote a book about his experience, okay? Just so you know that. Just because it says he went published, he didn't go home and write an experience about, right? That word published means this, to announce the truth, to proclaim. So he did exactly what the Lord asked him to do. He went out, amen, and he proclaimed what great things the Lord had done him. He did what Christ asked of him. He told others of how Christ had changed his life. And so, you know, uh, we know that God has given us the greatest commission to go into all the world. But here he told this man just to go home. And so that shows us, hey, not only do we need faithful missionaries, amen, on the mission front, but we need faithful missionaries on the home front. Amen. Not only do we need people willing to go there, but we need people that are willing to be faithful and give good testimony here of the great things of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we finish up here, this is, this is the point I wanted to get to. This is the point I wanted to get to. Now, think about that demon-possessed man, right? What, 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 what does it, what does it uh, uh, say there? He says, of a long time, right? Verse 27, a certain man which had devils long time. Think about that statement, devils long time. You know, many people would have looked at this man. They said, man... Uh, he's been like that for years. He's just, you know, crazy. He's demon possessed. He's always running around uh, naked. You, man, they try to tie him up and control him. And he just breaks those things. And he's always cutting himself. And he's always hanging out in the cemetery. You know, many people would certainly have considered this man a hard case. But for Jesus, you know what? There's no such thing as a hard case. When you read through the Gospels, when you read through the Gospels, you see many hard cases brought to Jesus. But you know what? He won them all, or you might say he resolved them all. Again, notice that statement, which had devils long time. So again, here's, here, here, here's the point of the message, if you will. There's no case too hard for God. That's, that's the statement tonight. There's no case too hard for God. For God. There's no case too hard for God. I'm going to say it again. There's no case too hard for God. Let's just say that together. There's no case too hard for God. As I read this today, I thought about people right here in this church. And I ask you, friends, how long have you been praying for that loved one? How long have you been praying for that situation? 
just so happened I got three A's here. Let me get personal here for a second, Adam. Your brother is not a case too hard for God. Your brother is not a case too hard for God. I thought about the Aguilars. I thought about your father. And I said, your father is not a case too hard for God. Your father, David Joseph, is not a case. Your husband's sister is not a case too hard for God. Ari, I think about the, the, the things that are in your heart, if I can say that. And I think the things on your heart are not a case too hard for God. I thought about my older brother. You heard me talk about him. And I realized my brother is not a case too hard for God. So we all might have loved ones or we might all have situations and it seems like we've been praying for them for a long time, but I'm glad we can, we can turn to the word of God and we can see stories like this, things, true stories, things that really happened. There really was this man and there really was, amen. <laughs> God really did cast all those demons out of him and he really did sit at the feet of Jesus, and he really was clothed, and he really was in his right mind, and he really did go back, and perhaps by the grace of God spent the rest of his life telling wherever he went the great things. And we can look at that and say, hey, uh, we, we, look at, we, we can think about when, when they came down from the mountain and, and, and the, the disciples, right? Uh, they tried something, but it didn't work out too good for them, right? <laughs> but, but Jesus wasn't too hard for Jesus, and boy, and, and how many times Jesus walked up on a funeral procession or uh, uh, the lady, the man that had the 12-year-old daughter or, or this or that, amen, and Jesus always took care of it. And we see case, hard case after hard case, amen, to us, but no hard case, amen, for God. There's no such thing as a case too hard for God. So we might, we might pray tonight and say, Lord, increase my faith to believe Amen. For even the hard case, if you will. So I want us to take time tonight as we finish up here, right? Let's think, let's think about, let's do a little review here, right? We need to, from this message, we need to understand again, with God there are no hard cases. We need to understand that all men without Christ are lost, whether they're full of the demons or whether they're full of self, that we're in a spiritual warfare. When you realize that God, again, is greater than the devil, listen, uh, that one devil couldn't handle him out in the wilderness and thousands of devils couldn't handle him there that day. And that hell is a reality. And not only, not only listen, should men fear hell, but fear hell, but there's devils out there that they know the clock is ticking and they will end up there as well. And that only the Lord Jesus Christ can change man's life. And the great work we do for God is done by living a changed life, first of all, in our homes, first of all, in our houses. 